This is Montclair Talk, an in-depth look at the issues, people, and ideas at the heart of the community. I'm your host, Christopher Bowe. Today we speak with Andrew Rice, contributing editor at New York Magazine and author of the recent piece, I Want to Meet My Teacher, A War Over Reopening Schools Has Upended the Progressive Politics of the New Jersey Suburbs. The piece takes on the complex dynamics and considerations behind the issue of reopening schools. Well, Andrew, thanks for joining me uh, on this inaugural first podcast. I'm honored. Um, Thanks for being here. Uh, As we speak, um, superintendent sent out a letter saying that no change in the situation with the schools and there's no bigger issue probably right now than school reopening, both locally and nationally in some degrees, uh, in, in many degrees. And I found your, your piece in New York Magazine really, really um, both broad and deep at the same time. It covered some things that I, a lot of the big issues that in the, I haven't, I don't, I don't pretend to say I've read everything, but a lot of the larger overarching issues that don't get discussed so much. So well, thank um, you. I'd like to take a, a time to, you know, dig into some of those. Like, I'll start really broadly and ask you, like, what what did you learn or what did you come away from writing this piece thinking that hadn't occurred to you or um, really revealed itself in putting it together? Well, I, I joked actually on 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 Twitter when I when I posted the story originally that was um, that was cheaper than therapy. Um, I think that <laughs> you know the the nice thing about um, being a journalist, and this is this is a sort of a rare story for me in the sense that um, normally when I write about something, I have a you know pretty good degree of distance from it. You know, I, there are subjects that I've. I've covered for many years that um, that I'm in one way or another, um, uh, you know, connected to um, and have a, a kind of knowledge of. Um, and th- this one is different because my my knowledge I knew relatively little about uh, the school system in in, in New Jersey um, and the reopening debate. Prior to being um, well thrust into it, because it, you know I'm a parent of a of a third grader, um, and I had a, some questions as to you know why it was so uh, seemed seemingly so difficult to um, resolve these questions, particularly here in New Jersey, particularly in these districts that um, you know think of themselves as places that. Uh, prize education above all else, um, and uh, I, I sort of wondered, you know, why why we were having these like very wrenching debates over not just uh, how to provide education, but sort of whether education was truly necessary, whether it was something that um, you know children could kind of uh, kind of take a year off of if if necessary. Um, and um, I, uh, so, you know, different people approach these issues in different ways. And, and the way I approach these issues as a, as a journalist is that, um, you know, if I, if I get really perplexed by something, 
or really stressed out by something, my, my natural inclination is to just sort of start start calling people up and talking to them and asking them the questions that um, that are that are perplexing me. And um, and because I'm not totally crazy, I didn't I decided not to do it in my own community um, and not to necessarily start uh, start in at, at, at trying to examine the divisions here in Montclair that I observed. But what I did do is that, you know, I, I, I asked around, um, really on Facebook to start with, to try to find other districts that I felt like had similar dynamics and, and South Orange Maplewood, not surprisingly, it, uh, turned out to be, you know, one that, really did have a, a kind of a, a lot of synchronicities with um, with with Montclair and um, so yeah so that's that's kind of like that that was sort of like I guess the broad if the if the question was sort of like broadly speaking like well, yeah you know, I mean just coming away with it there's so many things that um, don't don't get discussed when when people talk about school reopening a lot of it a lot of it delves directly into the weeds, you know, uh, is the ventilation system is the, why is the union not doing this? Uh, why are, why are some parents for it or against it? And, and one of the things I found interesting about the piece was that it, it took some of the larger issues that have been operating behind the scenes. And for instance, I'll go right to the first one. And that's like, uh, it made a really nice point that the pre pandemic issues uh, a lot of this, a lot of the school issues are just pre-pandemic issues in a different form, or they've unveiled them or made them more prescient. And one of the things you mentioned is race in school. Um, that's clearly, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, an issue here. And and it, it's, you know, how how is that playing here? How is that coming to play with the school reopening issue? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess we sort of skip str- straight straight to the most um, oh. uh, vexing of the issues, right? Right. Um, I think that you know, um, really, I think I think I think maybe the be- better way to kind of um, for me to ex- best way for me to explain how I came to write about the issue of race in schools is to unpack a little bit about the various different, you know, explanations as to, you know, why uh, the Montclair schools were, were not open or the Maplewood schools in, in this case were not open. Um, yeah. You know, the, the first layer of it was, you know, are there these problems of ventilation, right? And and, and both of the districts really, um, this was the, the kind of initial explanation for, for why they weren't open. And, um, you know, and it, it, it makes a lot of sense, you know, that these, I'm looking at a school building across the street from me right now. I live across the street from a school, beautiful building, old brick building, you know, built probably in the 1930s. And yeah, you know, it's totally believable that the ventilation is suboptimal, but then you drive a little ways away to, you know, Little Falls or, you know, Glen Ridge or any of these towns surrounding us. Right. Schools look basically the same. And you see kids walking into them. And, you know, as far as I know, none of those schools have done tens of millions of dollars of HVAC improvements um, uh, prior to reopening. 
Um, it's hard to know exactly what the condition of their ventilation is because I don't necessarily think they engaged in such a deep and long inquiry into the in, into their physical infrastructure uh, as, as we have here. So maybe ventilation isn't the isn't the isn't the overarching explanation. So then the next level of it is like, well, the union. A lot of people say, well, the union is, you know, very powerful here in Montclair and has a lot of political uh, influence. Um, uh, you know, as 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 most of your listeners will know, that the mayor of yeah. the town is uh, an official in the union in his day job. So that seems like a pretty compelling explanation. You know, when you when you when you say we're going to peel back that layer of uh, the next layer, but then you kind of look around New Jersey and you say. Right. Wait, hold on a second. The New Jersey Education Association is one of the most powerful political players in the state, and yet, you know, eighty percent of the districts in New Jersey are in, are are back in person or were back in person in November when when I did looked at those numbers, and, and you think, well, all those places have unions too, so I don't know. Maybe that's maybe the union isn't really necessarily this, you know, the 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 all powerful obstacle that uh, many people think, and. The, you know, and then you start to look at the, you know, the, the 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 demographics of districts that haven't reopened, and you start to think about sort of um, the role that parents play in these decisions and the way, role that, you know, sort of public opinion um, of voters and constituents uh, play in these decisions, and I I think that one thing that seems very clear is that um, there isn't a consensus within the community, whether it's the community, the larger community of Montclair, you know, just as a whole, the population of Montclair, or the population of public school parents in Montclair, over what the right, equitable, and just thing is to do. And, um, and, and the inescapable reality there is that the pandemic looks different, um, depending on where you sit economically, uh, where you sit geographically in this town, Without and town. frankly, where you sit, you know, ethnically. Um, yes. And I think that uh, it's v- very clear that there are very different perspectives that uh, people of color and white people have on the pandemic, the severity of it, the practicality of, or the um, the 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 ramifications, potential ramifications of sending children back into school in the midst of the pandemic. Um, in, in part, you know, when I was reporting this story, it, you know, very notable thing that I found is that, you know, when I talk to people of color about their experience, the pandemic, it almost always begins with a story or a few stories of people who've died that they know who are close to them. Yes. Uh, and I have to say that you know, my own personal experience as a person who's not a person of color, I've you know known one person who died, but not very well. And um, I've known plenty of people who've had it who were not so seriously ill. Um, and so I think that, you know, when you have, when you recognize the disparate impacts that this has had on different communities, it becomes more understandable why it is that these issues look different depending on, you know, uh, where you're sitting, you know, uh, in terms of, uh, your, your, your geographic location, your economic status and your, and your privilege.
Right. There's no doubt that the, the data has shown that the pandemic has inordinately affected um, people of color, uh, African-Americans, Hispanics. Uh, so it, that that's it's a really interesting point. It, it, it continues to run through that, you know, the the diversity of the school system is, is um, it's an ongoing experiment. Now, I don't mean that in a, any flippant way or negative way, but um, it factors into it. If it was less diverse, perhaps it would be a different viewpoint on opening the schools or. I mean, I, I think when, when I talked with, when I was doing my story in South Orange Maplewood, I mean, the, the, the president, the current president of the school board there is, um, is black. Hmm. And, um, you know, he, you know, said quite frankly, you know, these, if, if you consider our, when he says our, he means South Orange Maplewood, but it could easy, just as easily go for, for Montclair. Sure. If you consider our comparison districts to be Livingston, to be uh, Chatham, to be Glen Ridge, um, then, then you say, oh, you know, uh, all the, why are all these districts you know, open and we aren't. But if you look at it another way, you can say that we're just as much a part of the, you know, we are in a county with places like you know, Newark or, um, you know, or the Oranges, you know, and, and those, those are places that have, you know, a lot higher um, uh, minority community, a lot larger minority communities. And, um, and so just it really depends on, on we, we are sort of a little bit in between in terms of um, uh, how our district looks. Hmm. Um, and, um, and, and I think that, you know, you can't, you, you can't sort of necessarily look for a Livingston solution and, in Montclair without acknowledging that very significant percentage of the, uh, there are very different demographic uh, issues and different demographic makeup in in our district than, than in, um, than in some of these other ones that are commonly used as reference points when people Mm -hmm. say, well, why not us? Right. Right. Uh, It's sort of similarly to that. It's one of the things you, you mentioned in the piece is, um, People, this is this is a, the place that people move for the schools, you know, in quotes and italics. It is uh, it's a common refrain of the why the the one of the key um, attractions for for a place like Montclair or like the focus of the pieces specifically, although congruent Maplewood South Orange. Um, and yet, once again, just just showing how the pandemic has kind of pulled the cover off of many things. I mean, you could look at the the Texas power grid and, you know, uh, suddenly, you know, things that have been unveiled that we never knew were there, not necessarily pandemic related, but the pandemic has, has had a clear power of showing, like you say, little, you know, dysfunctions or, and one of those things is that the, the, the infrastructure, um, it's quite interesting. They, like you mentioned, these are older buildings looking and that mm-hmm. people kind of seem to pass that off. Right. So, uh, and then that's, that 
is a very key. <laughs> well, fix. It's a, I mean, I think... much like our houses, <laughs> uh, is uh, everything. Like yeah. People, um, so that that is a factor to be dealt with. That um, I think people always knew that the infrastructure was aging, but they don't now. They see it acutely when they see how what kind of remediation would have to be done for the pandemic. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think I, you know, the pandemic. It, you know, it's it's become a cliche to say it that, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of exacerbated, and and sort of revealed all the all the kind of fractures within within the society. You know, it's 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 sort of like I I likened it to, hmm. in conversation with somebody else. So like, you know, if you want to use a, a suburban cliche, you know, it's like it's like you're you've ripped up the floors and um and, and you know a, a, you always know like when you when you rip up the floor, uh you never really quite know what you're gonna find underneath there. You pull out the walls like and you discover that you have all this like ancient wiring that requires hundreds of thousands of dollars of, um, right. of, uh, spending to, to bring up to code. It's a knob I mean, and think, tube. The yes. <laughs> I, I think that like, I think that has happened, not just in a literal sense with the infrastructure of the district, but also in a figurative sense of the, like sort of the social infrastructure of the district, the political infrastructure of the district has has been sort of ripped up and revealed in a way that, um, you know, maybe it wasn't before. Um, you know, I think anyone who's attended one of these board of education meetings, I have to confess, I, 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 I never really paid a whole lot of attention to the board of education, except to know that like periodically, hmm. seemingly about every like six months to a year, one of the school board presidents would resign in protest or something like that. Right, but right. I never really quite com completely understood what the dysfunction um, there in that, in that organization was. And it never really seemed to directly affect me and my family too much. And I was, I was, and, and, you know, frankly continue to be, you know, overall happy with the education that my, that my child has received. So in a way, it didn't feel like a necessarily a crisis that needed to, needed, I needed to pay attention to. But, you know, the, the pandemic has all of a sudden made a lot of people, myself included, pay more attention to this board. They'd say, why is this board, you know, appointed by one person, the mayor? And, you know, why, why don't we ha have the ability to, you know, elect uh, the, the people who make the most important decisions about our children's education and the by far the largest portion of the town's uh, budget? Um, you know, why don't we have the same kind of say that, for instance, a community like South Orange Maplewood has over over those decisions via an elected school board? Why, you know, similarly, you know, all these issues as far as kind of like teachers and, and how they're viewed in our society and whether we take teachers too much for granted and whether the, how the union works and whether, um, you know, wh whether, whether teachers are being w properly appreciated, um, by parents, um, you know, that, that, that's really kind of come to the fore and in, in a very raw and, tense way i think you know mm, it's fair no to say yes for sure and we've so we've really like you know it's just basically like all 
the, the crisis has really brought all these things into the foreground that were previously in the background and easy to ignore. Right. It's almost like anything that was like um, somewhat unstable or potentially unstable has been shaken to a, to a point where people are starting to look at it in, in its constituent pieces. You bring up an interesting point about the Board of Education members. One of the most interesting quotes I've read recently was uh, a parents group organizer in San Francisco um, saying that uh, they thought that the real change here might be getting parents a seat at the da- table, uh, the, uh, literally asking the question, why aren't the parents at the bargaining table? And I suppose there's lots of figurative ways you could say that that already exists or could exist, but it was very provocative, I thought. I mean, after all, the, the parents' taxes are paying uh and where are they at the bargaining table? It almost seems like the parents, if they're raising their voices or something, are saying that, well, yes, but, you know, and so, you know, is there any change? I guess the, my question to you, is there any chance for lasting change in that regard? Uh, I suppose Montclair would have to change its system of Board of Education government or maybe more parent involvement in the future. I mean, do you have any sense of that? I mean, I, I think... Uh, the first thing we should say is that I think that we live in a place where, um, maybe unlike a, a a large urban school district, parents already have a lot of say over what happens in in the Montclair public schools. I mean, I I, I think the idea that, um, and I've heard this from other parents, um, you know, uh, in the course of reporting this story or just in my life, that you know, just in my personal life, people saying, well, parents really need to have more influence over what's happening in the schools. And I just, I'm just sort of like, what planet do you live on? I mean, I think, you know, the schools really, you know, do function very much to serve the interests of parents and not just of parents, but of the most kind of engaged segment of parents, um, the people who are, you know, on the PTAs, the people who are, you know, class parents, the people who are, you know, and I'm not, mm. I'm not critiquing that. I'm just saying that I think that I think parents have a lot of influence over what happens, especially in the elementary schools. I don't have as much experience in the, in the middle and high school, mm. but I will say that 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 where that starts to break down is when you get to the to the policy level and when you start to get to the um, budgetary level of the school board. And you know, I I think. As as probably you know, anyone is who would turn it tune into this podcast probably knows something about this. But you know, there's only a handful of districts in the entire state of New Jersey that that have the appointed board system that we have. Um, it's uh, a you know there are a lot of justifications for it, and 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 some of them I understand, and and I think you know especially with regard to trying to protect the diversity of the of the school system and protect the magnet system which is a lot of the reason why I as many as well as many other people moved to this town in the first place For I think sure, it's, likewise I think it's good uh, I think I think I do wonder if there's a way to achieve those ends of um, of having an equitable and um, 
uh, and 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 balanced and diverse uh, school system, while also having a measure of democracy. <laughs> um, is, is that? I, your I guess under- I'm a I'm I'm a, I'm, quite- I'm, a, I'm, I'm I'm naive perhaps in thinking that these two things don't have to be completely um, don't have to be completely at odds with each other in a community where I think there's a broad consensus around the idea that the schools should um, be integrated and the schools should have um, have diversity and and a, and, a, and and that the multi um, uh, and that the and that the ethnically and 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 uh, income level the ethnic and income level mixture that exists should be should be preserved and if anything broadened so that that's a couple of points really interesting I, I don't think I'd quitely, quite quite appreciated um, that the the current Board of Education system is, I, I don't think it's entirely uh, preserved for the sake of the magnet school system, but that there is an enduring fear, I believe, in longtime residents that somehow the magnet system would be dismantled if there was a different structure in place, I suppose, which I, I've encountered that before, and I'm always curious about it. Um, I don't know too many people who moved here that um, don't like the magnet school system or don't favor it or don't want the diversity. And yet it does seem to be an enduring schism of old residents and new residents. The the older residents Mm -hmm. look upon the new people with suspicion of wanting to dismantle it, I suppose, or, or potentially, potentially going down that road, not wanting to, but you, you hear what I'm saying. Uh, Is I well, I mean, and this is this is where another like I was gonna say this is this is another this is you know when I talked about sort of how you you peel back the layer of ventilation you peel back the layer of the union you and you get to the the the, the racial equity level of this mm-hmm. but there's actually another level even deeper that you that you get at beneath that which is that actually the racial equity the the, the sort of the racial division over reopening the schools is not as stark as it's portrayed either. I mean, there is a very, uh, you know, there were, there were numbers shown at a school board meeting not too long ago that suggested that, you know, something like, you know, 60 to 70% of, of white parents wanted uh, their children to go back in hybrid format. Mm. And something like, you know, I, I don't have the right, the, the exact number, but it was a significant, it was a significant percentage of black families, maybe something like 40% wanted to send their kids back hybrid. So it's it's not monolithic. But where I do think that there, I do feel as if there's a, um, there's this other layer to it that's even deeper, which is like sort of the newcomers versus the, um, versus the incumbents in, in Montclair. And, um, and, and, and that is a, um, that is a, you know, both of those groups are racially mixed. There are newcomers who are people mm-hmm. of color. There are um, newcomers who who are white. Um, there are, and similarly, in, among the sort of uh, the the longtime multi generational incumbents, similar breakdown. And I feel like that 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 divide is almost as strong as as any other. The idea that kind of, and you see it all the time that you know you're you're trying to turn this into another Brooklyn, uh, right. uh, people will say, or, oh, you know, 
you you don't you're not re- you're not really from around here and you're not going to and we know that as soon as your child graduates from high school you're going to like put out the for sale sign next to the congratulations you know junior sign or whatever that that uh you know the cliche is that uh you know that the people just sort of buy a house here when their kid is three and sell it when their kid is 18 um and you know i i think that i think that's a very very significant divide in the community and i think that the one of the reasons why um it, sometimes the the decision making processes here in montclair seem impenetrable to people who live in montclair even people who pay like very close attention I, I consider myself somebody who pays very close attention. I always said this to other people. Like I, I lived in, you know, I I lived in Uganda and like figured out the politics of <laughs> of, right. of, of of Uganda. But like <laughs> somehow somehow Montclair like just like is is, is like in a way like it's somehow too um uh it's somehow impossible to kind of figure out who how things work here and why. Yeah, why they uh, work the way they do. To, to, it's interesting to hear you to make that point about uh, old and new residents. Um, a former superintendent actually told me that um, people think the, that race is the largest divide in Montclair, but it's actually old and new residents. In their I, view. I think that's a hundred percent. I mean, uh, and my, my is, observation of that is absolutely right. Yeah, uh, and and what, what how that translates into the 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 politics of, of race in the schools is probably a well beyond my scope or my brain or how, you know, how the policy is. One of the ways in which it's, uh, you know, there was a a discussion on one of the um, Facebook groups uh, and I I try to stay out of actually contributing to those too much just because they they do get a little raw. Mm. Um, But there was one that, you know, that, that came up where basically you know, there's statistically, it seems pretty, uh, it seems like there's the statistics suggest that there's been a a lot of unenrollment from the school district this year. Um, uh, in October, it was down about 7%, um, mostly in the, uh, in, I'm sorry, 7% in elementary level, a little less overall. Uh, and, you know, anecdotally, it seems like there's been, a much greater degree of unenrollment or more continuing unenrollment. Somebody who works in one of the schools told me to refer to as an exodus um, in, uh, in over the course of the last couple of months. And, you know, there's a discussion about this on one of the gr- Facebook groups where, you know, I, you know, I, I pointed this out and, um, and there was, it was, a, it was a long time resident sort of wrote to sort of lament the fact that basically, um, you know, that the, that the, the families who have the economic privilege to withdraw their kids and send them to private school and the resources basically are going, that it was going to lead to this disinvestment and that really the people who are going to end up having to deal with it in the end are the are the people who have been in the community and have worked to build and strengthen the school system 
uh, over years and decades or generations. Um, and, you know, there is a sense in which, you know, I think newcomers, people who've only been here for a few years, and I'm, I'm, I'm I, I fully admit I'm one of them, you know, kind of came here, just figured everything would be, you know, everything would kind of be sorted out for you, um, you know, that you pay, pay your property taxes and you get to send your kid to the, to the, to the great school across the street, in my case. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think people who've lived here for a long time, regardless of, of, of what they look like or, you know, or what side of town they live on, um, rightly say, look, you know, we had to fight for this. We had to work for, to, to create this thing. And, and now, you know, a bunch of people who, you know, who, who weren't here during the, you know, during the, during the time in which it took to, to create this are kind of like just kind of deciding like, well, you know, we're, it's, we're going to opt out. We're going to, we're going to leave it. And, um, and, you know, instead of trying to stay and, and, and work to build something back better. Um, so well, I, I, you know, I, I, I understand that frustration from the longtime residents and, and, you know, I hear it and, and I don't know how to address it. I still want my kid to go to school, but I, I, to, I, to the point that the pandemic is, is kind of unbreak on, on, you know, revealing all kinds of cracks, you know, if, 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 for instance, you know, some dysfunction would create what you say is some people say is an exodus from the public school system, that would not be a good, good thing for the enduring. So where are the changes to uh, not mitigate that, but where are the changes to uh, keep, keep everything improving, I suppose, is the best. Uh, is, well, is I mean, I think, I, I think we've got to there's a window of opportunity to, to, to rebuild trust part, partly because private schools just, I don't think simply have the capacity. They can't wrap up, ramp yeah. up the, uh, they, I, anecdotally, I think they've, I've heard they've just been flooded with, um, with applications. Hmm. There's really not enough seats in their schools to accommodate all, all the families that have applied. And so, um, consequently, there are going to be a lot of families who, um, who are get, who are going to be sending their kids to, to public school next year and because you know they lack other options so, some of them because they would have considered private but they lack other options some of whom you know are just like genuinely committed to the public school system come what may um, and I think the the challenge ahead is sort of we've had this traumatic event that, has really created a lot of um, tension and and stress and yeah. um, uh, and and sort of resentment among the various different stakeholders uh, here. On the other hand, I mean, if you want to be an optimist about it, you could say parents have had a year to find out, you know, kind of what happens in a school and what what teachers do and um, get a get more educated on how education works and get to know a little better how their own child learns and um, you know these are all this is all presuming that you have the comfort and privilege to be able to kind of um, be in physically in your 
this, you know, with your child yeah. during the day, which many people don't. I mean, you know, so there's a whole category of kids that, that probably don't get talked about enough who, you know, but I see them on my kids zoom, you know, who are sitting seemingly in a house, maybe by themselves, maybe their parents may, may be working in person or, um, or have other children that they're attending to. Um, you know, so, 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 so there's, there are a whole category of kids that are, that are really having to fend for themselves. And that's unfortunate, but there is, there are a lot of parents who have learned a little bit about how this system works and maybe they'll become more engaged and more invested in the, in the system. Right. You the problem is, tr- is like, does, does, will the system want their input? Um, <laughs> when right. they go back, or, will, is it, or is it, will they a want a place to plug in? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that's going to be really, really, really difficult, frankly, is how the parent teacher relationships and how the administration parent relationships are going to work in the future. There was, I think, prior to this, a sort of clear delineation of roles, like what parents, you know, once your kid went in the building, Mm. you know, you as a parent kind of had to step back uh, to some degree and, and sort of trust that what was going on inside the building and what was going on with education was, was working unless they told you it wasn't. Um, and now you've got a whole generation of parents who are suddenly, you know, not of their own volition have become sort of deputized, um, elementary school teachers. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how, the the relationship between those parents and the professional teachers works when it goes back. If they're, if, if it's going to be a collaborative relationship, if it's going to be something where, you know, um, parents who have had used to be, who are used to having had some degree of control over their child's education are, are kind of able to continue to have some control over it. Or if it's going to be kind of a, a taking back of, um, of, of authority from, from the parents. And I think for some parents, that's going to be a, a rude awakening. Not for me. I'm more than happy to just send my no, kids and not have to think about it anymore. No, I, I, I also want to go back to something you say about building trust because trust has always been a, a central thread. I mean, the, the union talks about trust with the board of education and the administration. Uh, they likewise talk about trust with the union. Uh, parents talk about trust with teachers. Uh, you've mentioned like trust between long time and, and, and newer residents. Uh, it just seems like a breakdown of trust all the way around has contributed to this, or at least been exacerbated by the pandemic, perhaps. I mean, I think, yes, that's true. I mean, certainly relations between unions and management are never like, I, I mean, I think it's pretty rare that a union will, will say yeah. that they have a very trusting relationship right. with, man, right. with the manager. I don't know if you, what, your, what your experience with that is, if, if you've ever been in a union, but I, I'm in one now. And I have to say, sitting on the other side of this, sometimes I, I think, you know, um, you know, it's, it's funny to be simultaneously sort of have two, two different roles in terms of, um, you know, uh, uh, collective bargaining in one situation and, sort of being, um, I guess on the other side of the table in a way or in another, but I will say that, um, I think that the trust issue, 
rebuilding, it's, it's not even so much trust as it is confidence, right? So I think that, I think it's, I think it's, it's most parents, I think, in my experience, and, and again, I may be speaking for a position of privilege because I think, I do, do think that for um, families of color, this has not always been the case. And this is part of the issue with, you know, whether they feel comfortable sending their children back into school buildings on the assurance of the administration. Hmm. But at least, you know, I've always felt like the system has been working okay. I had a sense, I had a baseline level of confidence that, you know, when my kid walked in the door, um, that they would be taught by, you know, caring professional uh, who was really deeply invested in um, their growth and learning and, um, and a caring staff and, and, and all of that. And, um, and I think that some of that confidence has been shaken. It's, I think that, I think that, you know, parents have now been sort of forced into a situation in which they're wondering, you know, okay, is this, this is building that I'm sending my kid into safe? Uh, is it, are the, uh, you know, does the, uh, administration that that runs it, you know, is it is it Have necessarily <laughs> doesn't know what it's doing, <laughs> right? Right, or have uh, a plan? Uh, yeah. And um, and I think you know, restoring that confidence, and and from the teacher's perspective, I think completely reasonably, yeah. they lack the confidence to believe that the district can keep them safe, completely right. safe. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what does safe mean in, you know, in, in this context and like how safe is safe enough? These are questions that are sort of like unanswerable and sort of beyond the bounds of this conversation. But, oh, absolutely. But, it's personal risk toleration. But, basically. Mm -hmm. but, but like, but the, but I, I do think, I do think that there's a really big, um, we're we're at an inflection point, at a, a crucial inflection point. I think now um, we now have vaccines, which can you know it's obviously not going you know as fast as we'd like, but you know it seems fairly clear that you know it, the teachers will be able to be vaccinated if they choose to be, mm -hmm. you know at least by the beginning of next school year, um, if not earlier. Which, in a way, doesn't completely solve, but but does ameliorate the the conf the the safety um, confidence issue that 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 those individuals have that the adults have. So we're at an inflection point. The question is 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 you know can can the system can the both the the work for the workers in that system and the administrators who are running it can they come to some kind of agreement that will give the community confidence that school will happen next year uh in a in something more recognizable as um as as school as we know it right um and i think i think I've heard, and I certainly feel myself from my own from my own point of view. I I just don't think that we can take another six months of of uncertainty about um, you know what's 
what's going to happen with our kids' education. I, I think, among other things, I think the political consequences of, of that are going to start to be felt, and they're going to be felt in, in, in really negative ways, especially for the for the governor who's up in, in November. Um, you know, I, I, Joe Biden won the state um, pretty handily, but, you know, I'm old enough to remember Governor Chris Christie yeah, <laughs> winning seventy percent of the vote or something like that, and and, and you know, and 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 basically, were not for a little traffic in Fort Lee, like you know, it's, he he might have gone on to to win the presidency, and um, and I think that um, you know, I think that that we're kidding ourselves if we think that um, the that the that there won't be political repercussions from uh, a large portion of uh, of suburban voters um, becoming very 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 angry um, about the most emotional thing that yeah. there is, uh, which is their their children's well being, and feeling that um, that 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 elected officials and union leadership, frankly, yeah. are not necessarily prioritizing their kids' education. Now, that may be unfair. That 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 may not no, be I, the case. I can't look into their hearts and know what they're thinking. But I do know what the conversation is, and I do, I do know that it's getting raw, and I, know, I do know that it's getting very, um, getting very angry. And I think that any elected official, you know, who's running in that environment in 2021 and you know, would would do well to to think about that going into the next school year as they as they start to devise guidelines uh, as to uh, as to how schools should reopen and and whether schools can reopen five days a week. Right. So yeah, that's really interesting. It brings me to my final point. It's a perfect segue to the the unknowable sort of political future or outcome of all of this and. So one of the things that makes this most dramatic, at least in, you know, the press uh, being in media before, you know, the drama makes a good story. And one of the things that makes a good story here is the fact that so many progressive cities and towns have come to blows, for lack of a better word, with the teachers union. Um, the, the natural, natural allies and suddenly you know, this pandemic has created t- attention there. I find that really interesting to the point where, as you described, if, if the pain lingers, is there any potential for a long-term change in view towards the teachers union amongst parents or uh, certain segments of the public? I think it's already public? happened. I mean, I, 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 it, it, yeah, it's a really interesting conundrum yeah, I, uh, for the I, union. I think... <laughs> I think first of all, have they overplayed yes, their hand? I, uh, I think I think first. Well, you know, I have sympathy for them in their mm-hmm. position. They have a a membership that is justifiably concerned about their safety and um, feeling as if you know they're being asked to, you know take risks that frankly other people including myself are not necessarily taking on a on a daily basis like right. so i i get that completely um you know and 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 i 
it's hard for me. I do do in-person reporting. I, 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 I do put on a mask and go interview people and do things out in the world. So it's not like I'm hiding, but it is also true. I haven't been in a, in an office since March. I couldn't go if I wanted to, cause it's been closed. Um, mm-hmm. so the, so the, um, so, so I understand where the teachers are coming from when they say, you know, how can you ask us to do this thing if you yourself are not willing to, 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 to risk your, your own well-being. That said, there's lots of people out there working every day, doctors, nurses, uh, office workers, increasingly people are going back to work. Um, and, you know, I think that's going to continue to happen through the rest of the year. Um, I think that, you know, so all, all of that's a, a, a preamble to say, you know, I, I empathize with how they feel and I can understand how they feel unappreciated and how they feel persecuted, uh, not persecuted, but, but, but unfairly maligned by, especially by some of the parents, uh, who I think are, um, I think, let's just say they choose their words poorly. Um, But I do think that, you know, there are many, 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 many districts, you know, by far the majority of districts in New Jersey that have managed to figure out a way where the unions have managed to figure out a way to get back into buildings. My, um, my personal, you know, and leave New Jersey side, Connecticut, almost every, you know, you know, almost every district in Connecticut is back. Rhode Island, you know, I don't know if you read the New York Times Magazine cover story that was excellent about how Providence schools have managed to stay open throughout this whole thing. Mm. Um, You know, if you want to leave the Northeast. Chicago just reached a deal. I mean, Uh, Chicago, uh, (laughs) New York City. I mean, for God's sake, Bill de Blasio commands to pull it off. Like, I mean, you know, it's it's like... uh, it, it, it sort of boggles the imagination that, that we can't. And then, you know, where my family's from in South Carolina, I mean, you know, they've been in school five days a week, you know, since September uh, in situations with high positivity and low levels of mass compliance. And apparently, you know, it's been okay. Like they, mm. they managed to, so it, it does seem as if this, you know, the studies suggest that it can be done safely. And so at some point, um, it does, I think, you know, it is going to have some effect on how favorably parents will look on um, these institutions, the, the union as an institution in the future. I think that, you know, that we just went through an entire, uh, you know, several years of, 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 you know, arguments about charter schools and, and, um, and, and teacher quality and testing. And, you know, the arguments in the, those debates were always that, you know, the counter argument from the union, which I I found quite compelling was always, you know, you can't just replace an experienced, you know, seasoned, 
professional teacher with 20 years of experience. Can't just replace them with some kid fresh out of college, um, you know, some Teach for America person, some ununionized person who's just doing this for a couple of years to kind of see how it works. Um, and you, you, you know, the, you can't replace them because uh, these, these seasoned, experienced teachers, because teaching is a profession. It's something that is a calling. It's something that you gain experience in over the years and become better and better at as, as you do it. Um, and the problem is that as soon as the uh, pandemic happened, the, that, that messaging was sort of replaced by like, well, you know, it's, it's not entirely necessary for us to do this in person. You know, we can, we can do it through a computer. Like, uh, you know, Hey parents, you can, you can do some of this at home yourself yeah. too. Like you, you don't need like a, you don't need some masters in education in order to do an art project with your kids. I, I mean, I think that the, the, that, I think it's going to be hard for, for people to, for people to forget that, you know, when we go back, um, I think it'll be hard to forget that, um, you know, the 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 I the 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 message that um, was was sent that you know that 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 we're okay that we're okay with good enough for now. Um, and I don't think that was purely the, the unions doing it. I, I think that's, I think our society decided that we're, that we, that we were okay with good enough for now. I think Montclair as a town decided that we were okay with good enough for now. Um, and we'll just wait it out and sort of see how things are at the other end of this pandemic and, and kind of bring the kids back sometime after yoga you know, and sometime after indoor dining and sometime after hockey and sometime after like major league baseball and sometime after, you know, in, I mean, I, I, I run by the high school on my jog and there are 25 cars out front because they're having an indoor basketball game yeah, at I the, know. at, you know, at the, in the gym yeah. with kids and adults and parents and they're all breathing in the school building you know, and somehow this is okay, but actually educating people, like even really at risk people who are really at risk kids who are, have learning disabilities or English language learners or people who are like really are struggling and falling off the grid. We can't do that in the school building, but we can play basketball for like 40 minutes in front of a bunch of parents. I don't know that that's where I sort of start to that. That's where I sort of start to get off the, the start to lose my empathy a little bit and, and start to wonder whether we as a society have our priorities straight. That's it for this edition of Montclair Talk. Stay tuned for future episodes ahead. And thanks for listening.